Ryan Zarek, co-founder of Layer Zero, known as Raz. What a beautiful nickname built right in. Uh, welcome to the pod. Thanks for having me. Excellent. I know that you're um, uh, calling in from home in Vancouver and you have a, you have a newborn, so really appreciate you uh, taking the time. Um, yeah, Layer Zero, we're going to dig a little bit uh, you know, deeper into the mission and vision of what you guys are are working on in this uh, multi-chain world, but would love to hear kind of like the latest greatest right now. Like what's, what's hot on the griddle that you guys are, uh, are cooking up in your magical kitchen. Sure. Uh, so, you know, we just finished expand, we were expanding to our first non EVM chain, which is Aptos where we launched there. Uh, tons of, of active users and, and transactions going, uh, going there. We uh, launched today was uh beat, uh, Avalanche, uh, like B- Avalanche's BTCB, uh, which oh, is true. their Bitcoin, uh, their Bitcoin bridge basically has an as, as an asset on Avalanche, uh, was uh, in OFT, which we call an omni-chain fungible token, which uh, basically allows that asset that's on Avalanche to move natively to all these other chains, including Aptos, so non EVM, with uh, zero bridging fees, uh, and it actually being a native asset in those places. Uh, a few more of those are going to be coming out in, in the coming weeks. Uh, of, of of some major projects, as well as like now our our main focus is building out tooling and uh, expanding across EVM. So there's there's a lot of uh, you know we we were expanding really fast uh, to begin with, um, and now there's a lot we want to do in terms of making developer experience just uh, second to none. Right, uh, it is already uh, you know when you ask anybody who builds on on layer zero. Uh, it is uh, an amazing experience, really easy to build on. Uh, it's developer-centric, um, but there's tooling. There's, it's, it's never good enough for us. And so there's tons of tooling we want to add around that uh, to make it so it's just easy to on-rep. And uh, beyond that, just um, the tools to, to be omni-chain. Love it. OFT, uh, omni-chain. Fungible token. Fungible yeah. token. Like there's so many new acronyms and things to learn. That's one of my favorite things about being in Web3. It's just kind of like the staircase in Harry Potter. It's just, just as you think, you know where you're going somewhere, it just kind of switches around. And, and let's dive a little bit deeper into what you've already built right now. But before we do, like, how, how do you navigate that? How do you prioritize? Like, if you think about it as a matrix of an interconnected matrix of all these chains and then their bridges and everything else, it's, it's a, the fascinating uh, puzzle to solve that's, you know, the, these tectonic plates that are shifting in real time. Like what, what was the, what was the first step in your journey and uh, what have you guys built up to now to yeah, so bring our listeners up to speed? Layer Zero launched uh, officially back in March when we started on seven major EVM chains. Um, and uh, with that, crazily, uh, people thought, and it was kind of crazy, two days after the launch of Layer Zero, we launched uh, Stargate, which is our native asset bridge. Uh, so, like, um, you know, most people spend, like, multiple all-nighters like we did uh, to launch a, a single product like we did with Layer Zero. And we did that. Like all, all weekers. We're doing all monthers. Yes. <laughs> yeah, basically, I uh, never left the office for, like, a week. And then, like, all right, in two days, we're then launching Stargate. So we stayed through, uh, and, and we launched uh, a Stargate. Which is uh, the first product and first application built on Layer Zero, which is a, a composable native asset bridge, meaning uh, you know uh, you move 
say, USDC from one chain to another, and you're getting native USDC, not some wrapped version, uh, which is something in general we're, we're pretty against because wrapped assets are essentially IOUs. Uh, and uh, if there's a hack and smart contract bridge, which happens, you see monthly these days, um, you know, people are, are left holding uh, these IOUs that are worthless. And so we never liked that. And so that, that was the very concept of Stargate. And then uh, what is cool um, beyond that on top of Stargate is that it's it's a composable bridge, uh, meaning thing, it, things can be built on top of it. So like imagine uh, decks that exist on two chains that can go any asset to any asset in a single click, right? And they do that by swapping, uh, you know, asset A to USDC, bridge USDC to the other side via Stargate, and then calling their own decks on the other side in that single transaction uh, to swap USDC to asset B, uh, and essentially giving uh, that use one-click DEX, cross-chain DEX user experience, uh, and things like that. You need yield aggregation, uh, you know, lending and borrowing, everything, all of DeFi, and, and then purchasing, right? Purchasing NFTs cross-chain, things like that, can be facilitated uh, with layer zero and then start and Stargate on top of it. Um, and, uh, you know, the vision there is that someday no one will ever think about Stargate, uh, or layer zero because they're just built into the fabric of all of DeFi and crypto, right? Where everything, it, no one wants to go to Stargate's website, Stargate.finance. They want to go to Uniswap or they want to go to SushiSwap or, or Pancake or whatever's wrapping it, uh, and use the one application to be able to move between chains. Fascinating. First of all, great name, by the way, very evocative. I picture some sort of, you know, kind of like laser giant circle or something with like Dr. Strange, just like breaking open the fabric of the multiverse to go, to go across the other side. So that's a, that's a, and a beautiful, like sort of seamless, elegant solution to get there. Um, definitely, um, not that, uh, elegant or seamless to actually make that rift in the multiverse, bring, bring us, uh, bring us a little deeper into that, because as you said before, of course, uh, people want the chains to kind of go away. Like if I think about maybe, uh, you know, in my non-technical background, like if I love to go to say nine gag to look at memes so that I can find a few to send to my teenage sons and communicate to them in some way, what, uh, what cloud are they using? Are they on Azure? Are they on Google? Are they on AWS? Do they have their own, uh, you know, hosting? I, I don't know. Do I care? I don't care, right? And in the, in the future, shouldn't an end user have kind of a similar experience where what chain is this whole uh, magical experience being built on? I'm kind of, you know, uh, agnostic about it. I don't really care, but but man, it's not easy to to not necessarily care because you really have to care as a user. So. It's such a big problem that you guys are addressing, but there's also this risk multiplier that every time you do another, an, another, another chain, another bridge, right? It's 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 opening up all of these, uh, you know, maybe uh, staying in that uh, metaphor, all these other, you know, uh, like uh, Stranger Things, like you're opening a rift to the, <laughs> to the to the underside, and there's all kinds of horrible things that can happen. And tell tell uh, our, our listeners about. How, how you guys are addressing that. Yeah, so layer zero, we should think of it. Layer zero is like, you know, the internet of blockchains. Uh, it allows arbitrary contract invocation, which means like basically smart contracts to communicate with each other uh, directly uh, without having to go through like a, a middle like chain or anything like that. Nothing that sits in the middle, right? It's direct chain to chain communication and those in your particular smart contracts communicating. Um, and uh, 
before I dive into that, like to 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 kind of riff more on what you were saying, like yeah, our vi- our long term vision, I think the vision uh, of Layer Zero has always been the the future of crypto. Like you know, this not this is not in the near term, but um, you know, five ten years down the line, is that you will use an application that's completely Web three where you are um, you know accessing the actual site that's stored on that's stored on IPFS or Arweave, right, the front end or whatever. And the, um, you know, this, the fast processing of, say, you're playing a game or something could be on a fast chain like Solana or a, a purpose-built chain. Um, and then, you know, the storage of assets that are, or financial assets are stored on a secure chain like Ethereum. And the user is interacting with all of these chains, but has no idea uh, that they are, right? It's abstracted from them. Like you said, in the same way that when you build an application on Amazon Web Service, AWS, right? Um, you know, there's, they have a thing called S3 for storage and they have like lambdas for individual processes and you can have uh, dedicated servers, GPU servers for very fast processing of like crunching data or AI or anything like that. And, um, but you don't, as a user, when you go to a website, you don't realize that you're like, which, what portions of the, of those, those, yeah, those services that you're using, it's abstracted from you. Uh, and that makes a better experience. Um, and, and the same way you could use all of these different blockchains that have, you know, that are purpose-built. Some blockchains are really fast, but they're making compromises on security or, or cost. And, and some are very, you know, secure, but also expensive. Like there's, there's, there's no perfect solution, but you could use uh, multiple blockchains to achieve a near perfect solution for user experience. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. So I'd always thought of it, if, if you don't mind, like I, I, I thought of more uh, uh, multi-chain as, you know, oh, I'm a user that has a wallet, you know, on this chain and I want to be able to, uh, participate in this, in this game using Solana or using, uh, you know, uh, Sui or what, what, whatever chain, but you're, but you're talking about also, there's another layer as well too, which is these chains are even behind the scenes and it has nothing to do necessarily with the user's, uh, wallets. And it's really set up for, um, enabling the game to be on chain, but either secure or fast or flexible. And like, there's a whole nother layer there. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to divine things because I'm a, you know, serial entrepreneur, but non-technical guy. And I'm trying to sort of uh, channel, you know, some of these, you know, very complex ideas to other people who are also yeah. have the kind of same lens as me. So that's a, that, 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 that's a new insight for me. So thanks for sharing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then from the security standpoint, like where you're, the more at, the more chains you connect does not mean, uh, even though it could that sound scary, right? It's not mean you're exposing yourself to like exponentially more risk. The, the way Layer Zero is built, uh, unlike everything else in this space, is Layer Zero is like a true what we call it, a true protocol, um, and like we kind of define things as protocols or services. And a service is something uh, from by our definition in this space is something that's def- is dependent on the creator company to secure and maintain. Um, you know, whatever that service is, that messaging, that, 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 what you would define as a protocol. So that means, uh, you know, if this, if a, if a messaging layer or service is upgradable or has a, a chain that's in the middle that, you know, the parent company created, and if that parent company disappears, uh, the whole messaging service just goes out, gets done, right? In the same, like if a wormhole disappeared or if, you know, uh, any of these, uh, you know, creating companies just went out of business. Uh, your messaging services is done. Like you have no more. There's no way to continue uh, it. And then also, if that, if that, you know, 
if that messaging service decides to be nefarious, right? If those owners, creators uh, want to uh, attack the system, um, they could attack everything that's built on top of it because it is, in fact, a service. In fact, and just in the same way that AWS and Amazon could attack you, uh, so could these third-party like messaging services, which makes them scary. And this is why you see these hacks happening. These hacks are happening because they've turned on their users, but they've happened because they have this power they shouldn't, which is the ability to upgrade their smart contracts or the ability or full control over the messaging layer between, uh, which means they have these ch- keys off chain, which allow them to just, like you saw, like with the Ronin hack or uh, Harmony, where they can just, uh, if those keys are compromised in any way, all messaging and all the, all the assets on that, uh, using that bridge or messaging layer are compromised. And so layer zero is built in a completely different way. It's built as a protocol. Uh, I, I designed it in a way where if I became evil and I wanted to attack my own protocol, I could not do that. And that's kind of like one of our main, our main everything we build was with that in mind, that we can't do anything to anybody who builds on layer zero. Uh, and that's a key like, the, like part of what defines a protocol. If layer zero labs goes out of business tomorrow, layer zero protocol can live on forever. It's built on chain and it has not depended on us in any way. In the same way, Vitalik disappears tomorrow or Vitalik wanted to be evil. Uh, he could not do something to Ethereum. We cannot do something to layer zero. Um, and so what we do, instead of putting the, the, the trust and the power and the control in our hands, is we put it in the hands of the applications that build on top of layer zero. And so that means that they have control over... Um, the off-chain components, so they could select. Uh, so we have this concept. The way layer zero kind of works, and I'll go, I'm getting a little technical here, is uh, it is basically an oracle moves something called a, blo- a block header, and a re- and then a relayer, another component moves a transaction proof, and then validation happens at the destination chain. It moves this st- information. So what happens? Like so. So I want to send a message from chain A to chain B. I send it to layer zero smart contract endpoint, and then based on what my app, I'm an application what my configuration is. So I pick my Oracle and Relayer uh, and I tell them how many block confirmations to wait. They will send uh, after a certain amount of block confirmations uh, to the destination chain. Uh, one will send a block header, one will send a, a, a transaction proof. Validation will happen in the destination chain and then the message will be received. Now what's key here is that the user application, so that could be, you know, if it's Stargate, Stargate DAO decides this. If it's uh, Uniswap, they would decide this. Who their Oracle and Relayer pairing are. And an Oracle and Relayer pairing are kind of like the concepts and the names are misnomers because they could be anything. An Oracle could be a single server. It could be a single, it could be Chainlink. It could be uh, uh, the validator set of Solana and the same thing for a Relayer. And so it, it, the security could be, can, can range, right? It's a, it's a configurable trustlessness is what we call it. Um, and so the application chooses uh, its Oracle and Relayer pairing and, um, and has the heads that's that full control over that and their block confirmations. And we can't override that or change that on them. Uh, and so uh, layer zero labs runs a relayer, but you know, anybody could run a relayer. It's open and permissionless. And so anybody can also run an Oracle and they can write their own implementations of what that Oracle and relayer are. Um, and it makes it this open protocol that um, means that we're sharding risk, right? Because if an Oracle, if a user application chooses, they, uh, Chainlink and Relayer B, um, and I another one chooses Chainlink and or or say I don't know Switchboard and Relayer A, right? If one of those are compromised, um, or if, if a pairing is compromised, not everything that's on Layer Zero is at risk. 
So it, it, it is boils down to whatever the application sets as its risk parameters. Cause it's, is actually, cause in the end, right? Layer zero is not, it's not our, our assets when you're building on us that are, that are, are at risk. It's yours. And so as the application developer, it's your NFTs, it's your tokens, it's your money. And, um, you should be the one in control. And so that's our whole philosophy. That's completely different from every space is that we want control in the hands of those applications. Fascinating. Thanks for sharing. So, you know, I've been an internet entrepreneur, um, almost, you know, 25 plus years as web one, web two smartphone, uh, you know, mostly, mostly in China. So kind of through osmosis, I've, I've picked up enough tech stuff to be annoying to the tech team, but I've been, you know, a keen student ever since I became entrepreneur in residence at here in Anamoka last year. And, you know, one of the things you said after a number of you know, block confirmations, then you determine. So, th so there is this like, uh, uh, you know, trustlessness and, you know, distributed nature, but there is this, you know, sort of, um, I, you know, for better, lack of a better, like wiggle room or fuzziness, like how, how do you, how do you determine how many, how many confirmations and what's sure. the, you know, so you know, you can do messaging, messaging security and, and like risk is part of it is block height or block confirmations. What that means is, um, you know, there's a risk of reorganizing chain, uh, that has, doesn't have a finality gadget. Uh, and so, um, because of that, you want to wait, uh, you know, there, the longer you wait for finality. So whether it's like for Ethereum, I think it's 64 blocks now is, that's a true, that's a true finality gadget where if you wait that long. Uh, it will be guaranteed that there's no chance that there will be a reorg and your transaction will have been dropped. What does that translate into time? Typically, is there is can you say? So 64, uh, I think it's like 10 minutes, but it's a long time. You wouldn't want to wait that long because yeah. statistically, right? I think after a few blocks, like 99% chance it will never get reorged. I think yes. we wait 12, which is like basically impossible. It's almost impossible to reorg now with with with, uh, with proof of stake. Um, so you don't need to wait the full 64. Uh, it, it, you could, if you want, if you, if the more you wait, the more secure it'll be. Um, but you're, it's like diminishing returns and you're losing out on speed. So it depends what you're doing. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that, that block height is we give that to the power of the user. We set, we, and we set defaults that we are very conservative. Um, but, um, they can override those and set whatever they want. Uh, so imagine, uh, you know, an, a, you're moving like one set NFTs between chains or like swords or something on a gaming chain. You're moving to another gaming chain. Like speed may matter more to you than, than that like extra level of security. Cause like if it got reorged and you lost a cent or something or double spent a penny, it doesn't you really matter. Solana. I think Solana is like, like 500 milliseconds or something like that, right? That they're doing their yeah. confirmations. And then, yeah. So, I mean, it's like, it's, it's a huge orders and orders of magnitude off of, you know, 10 minutes or even, even 12 blocks, which is probably you know, just a, just a few minutes. So. Yeah. It's a couple of minutes. So again, it's a couple of minutes on Ethereum is what we're, we're, we have as default, but we're probably going to lower that in the, in the near future. We had, it hadn't really changed it since proof of work, which was at 12 then as well. So fascinating. So one of the things I'd love to peel back on, which I just had this revelation, you know, I robot by Isaac Asimov, where he's like the first law of robotics, there's three law of robotics. And I think you probably are, I'm sure certain, very familiar with that is a robot may not injure a human being or through inaction, allow a human being come to harm. And I think it seems like the way that you set up layer zero in that, you know, its ability to be programmed in not to do evil. And then of course, the second law is, you know, you can, um, 
uh, obey the orders given to it by smart contract by humans, except where such orders conflict with the first law. So it's really fascinating how, you know, this kind of like, don't be evil with Google, but don't be evil with layer zero, but it doesn't yeah. have to be dependent upon Larry and Sergey or whoever's running the show or, um, it's, it's, it's really big into it. So that's the first time. Can you peel that back a little bit more about like how it's like, you know, the smart contract, it's like sort of like a non-evil smart contract yeah. in a way. So, right? You know, it's, it's funny you said that. So it's really hard, by the way, to build smart contracts Absolutely. with that in mind, right? Uh, it's so much easier to ship and, and a lot of people ship with just upgradable smart contracts because then, you know, you have a problem or a bug or you want to change something you didn't think, you didn't think your design through, well, I'll just go upgrade it and do it later. Now, that's a lot of power. It means I can, I have this web two mentality where I can, you know, move fast and break things, which is cool in web two when you're, when you aren't dealing with money and other people's money, but here or, or assets. Yeah, you're kind of breaking <laughs> your own things instead of breaking everybody else's other things in a way, right? Cor yeah. Correct. Right. Cause you can't undo it. You can't take it back. Right. Someone spent so too much money on a video game and there's a bug in it. They can just roll it back. I can't, if something happens on layer zero, uh, and we didn't mean for it to happen, we can't go to Ethereum and say, please roll back the chain and it's not going to happen. So it's final. Um, and so we wanted to, you know, it, it's hard to build that way, but the, always from the beginning, it's, I want, we want something that we can, like nobody, like a true, pro, a true, like just like any smart contract, like a non-upgradable smart contract. Um, you know, the creator can't do evil to you, can't do anything bad um, in, a, in a true tr protocol way, right? Because if you were to say, what's the security properties of layer zero or what's the security properties of other messaging protocols, right? If they're upgradable, it doesn't matter if they're using ZK technology for, you know, verification or if they're a roll-up um, or if they have, uh, you know, this middle chain with like consensus, right? With a bunch of nodes, right? It boils down to the the, low, the the weakest security link, and that weakest security link is the multisig of the contract that can upgrade. And if someone were to get a hold of those, those multi, the couple of the uh, keys of that multisig, they can upgrade and steal all the funds and forge all the messaging for everybody, right? And it's an existential risk. And if layer zero is going to be this internet of all of crypto, wow. no wow. one should have that power, wow. right? My, I, I feel like I'm getting. Uh, a smarter every second just by absor absorbing that's a it's amazing that, that really unlocks uh, uh you know i did a lot of research ahead of time around this but i think that one thing helps me to really kind of grok what you uh embarked out to do that's uh that's fascinating yeah we have this uh so and we and we get pushback from internal engineering is always like oh can we just make this one thing upgradable or can we just do this upgrade and we'll change it later right um and, it, and it's always a hard, I have this, it's a company internal like motto, I, I always say. And, that, and uh, it's, you know, Batman, we, Batman has one rule, right? He doesn't kill and layer zero doesn't upgrade smart contracts. <laughs> That's our one rule. Excellent. I actually have a poster um, that I got, had made that I'm putting up in the office that says, uh, Batman doesn't kill and layer zero doesn't upgrade smart contracts. <laughs> That's great. One of my favorite means is always be yourself. Always, always be yourself. Unless you can be Batman, then be Batman. <laughs> I'm Raz from Layer Zero and Batman. So that's uh, that's great. If you say it in a Batman voice, it's even more serious. So that's yeah, that's fantastic. So in some ways, you say upgradable, and that sounds you know up and to the right, and you know 
But what it really means is changeable and kind of like absolute power corrupts absolutely. So in some ways you, 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 you blocked, you put that, that restriction in there. And like, that's, that's kind of the core promise of, 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 of blockchain and, you know, really, you know, having that, uh, the trust out there and, you know, and I think so many people have been, you know, believe in that, but they've been disappointed again and again and again, because there's that, uh, there's that human factor in there that allows it to, to be corrupted. Yeah. And, 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 you know, a lot of people argue and say, well, look, like the creators aren't going to attack. And you know, right. It's no, to this day, I don't think any of anybody in the bridging creator side that we know of at least has performed an attack against themselves, but they've had the power to, and with that power, they've made a mistake. That's, that's so <laughs> evil. I haven't even thought yeah. about it. Well, they, they <laughs> use that power to do something like, oh, let's just make this new feature. And everybody, and everybody gets all excited about it. And then they Blow forget to do something or they have a bug in it. Uh, right. Yeah. And then someone acts it. And just, like, that's what happened with Nomad. They made a, they made a, uh, added some, uh, some code. Uh, they didn't initialize something. They upgraded their smart contracts. And then uh, everybody was able to forge messaging. They stole almost $200 million from their bridge. Uh, and everything on top of it could have messaging could have been forged. It's, uh, it's a scary prospect. And, 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 you know, with that power, that power doesn't belong in the hands of anybody that's yes. doing infrastructure. Yeah. Yeah. It's well said indeed. Wow. I love the Stargate name, but layer zero, I think now I really understand like that, that name that you, that you chose from the get go is very apt and, uh, you're really there as a kind of even deeper foundation uh, for all the L1s, L2s, sidechains, everything else. I get it now. That's, that, that, that's great. That's, um, uh, really, really enlightening. Let's, let's go back to that origin story. I did a, you know, I'm a, a fellow New Englander from, 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 um, from Massachusetts, I'm a mass hole from greater Boston. And I know that you're from New Hampshire and your two other founders are also from UNH university of New Hampshire. Yeah. And you guys have been on quite a, a journey, uh, leaving the, uh, hobbit hole in the shire new hampshire to go to to go to mordor multiple times um tell us a, a little bit about the, about that journey along the way and some lessons learned and how that informed your layer zero journey sure um so uh brian was a year ahead of so it was brian kilb and my uh brian was a year ahead of us we're all computer science majors so my freshman year uh i wanted i picked unh because uh, I had this networking lab called the UNHIOL. It's like a, it's called, it's like an IEEE conformance uh, testing, which is like internet standards and all that stuff, like cutting edge stuff. So we were like doing 10 gigabit Ethernet, which is really like standard these days in backends, but it was like 10, 15 years ago, right? So it's all the newest things that are coming out. Screaming, yeah, wow. And uh, so I went and worked at this, nab, this lab at the university, uh, and that's where I met Brian and Caleb. We uh, became hit it off really early as as friends, and uh, I became roommates. Uh, Brian actually invited me to be a roommate with him. They're living off campus, and so I like let wow. dropped out, left the dorms, and and there's no there's no secrets. There's no <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We just became uh, quick, you know, best friends basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you know, um, Brian was a really sick developer at the time, and I used to uh, kind of look up to him, and because he was a year ahead of me, so like he's, I don't know if you ever hear Brian speak, but he's very sharp. Uh, yes. and, uh, he'd be, I'd be seeing him do his homework assignments, uh, you know, the night before they're due big hard coding assignments that everybody else is stuck on. And, 
just crushing it. Bang it out uh, like a couple hours right before bed, line, bed and then go to bed and get an A in it. Things like that, uh, which was really fun uh, to watch and kind of look up to. Um, he eventually went, dropped out his senior year to become a poker player. Uh, I stayed on. <laughs> yeah, he dropped out senior year. He went to Budapest, uh, met his wife there, uh, and uh, dropped out, became a professional poker player. Um, I stayed uh, with Caleb. We finished basically our degrees. I started my master's and PhD. Uh, in computer science, the, the the lab gave me basically covered was covering my tuition, um, and um, you know then we started our first company together out of school. Uh, Brian reached out; we wanted to do this, uh, you know, uh, sports. It was daily fantasy sports, I mean, you know, like DraftKings or, or FanDuel. We had we were one of the early ones and one of the bigger biggest ones at the time called BuzzDraft. Model, yeah, yeah. It was a it was a cool space, so we built built that, uh, sold that company a couple years later. Uh, and we've been building things ever since together, uh, on and off. So, um, and, uh, you know, uh, most recently, so for, I guess we've been building for 16 years together, just, uh, wow. doing everything together. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's been a fun, fun ride. Um, bef- most recently before layer zero, uh, we were doing some AI research, um, self, uh, funding our own AI research that we were interested in. And, uh, you know, uh, we ended up coming up with this uh this solution between two feuding between uh, i guess there's like a uh academic feud between uh carnegie mellon and uh university of alberta uh university of alberta team became part of google DeepMind. carnegie mellon team uh led by noam brown uh came which is like a, he won like science breakthrough of the year a year or two ago uh became part of facebook ai research team uh and the we had been thrown that's pretty <laughs> That's yeah, so they're going back and forth on this AI stuff, yeah. and we um, spent a, about a years on on trying to solve some. We thought we could solve it uh, a faster and better version, and we came up with something that was five thousand times more performant than Google DeepMind, so it could do th- the, the stuff they could do in like what? milliseconds. Uh, we wow. published, yeah, we published That's that a side project. That's amazing, like beating yeah. Google As a- orders of magnitude. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was a fun pro- it was it was really fun to do. Uh, we uh, then published. We weren't going to publish it or anything. We, were, we just wanted to apply, come up with that come up with a solution for that and apply it somewhere else in the space. Uh, but uh, no, we met with Noam Brown and he's like, "You got to publish this." Uh, so we worked with him. We published that. Uh, got a lot of uh, you know faith with him and Facebook AI research. And then um, uh, Google DeepMind has cited it before. It was widely held as a as a breakthrough. Uh, so. Very cool to do that, and and like and what 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 was that? Can you share without making yeah, my, yeah, my headphones blow off my head when my brain explodes? So we were making uh, so it's head it's it's solving imperfect information games. So usually that's applied to is like poker, uh, right. and so uh, they were making different poker bots, basically uh, AIs that could solve it, like perfect play between each other, um, and we were able to. Um, make one our, our ours could solve a hand, a hand perfectly in like a couple 50 milliseconds or something uh so it was just ungodly fast um and and came up with a new algorithm to do it even faster and more efficiently uh it's called dc far plus and um so yeah so that that's what that's what we did we applied it to some uh, ro- uh you know robotics uh the research to some robotics where we had a huge performance gain there uh, for doing, uh, just trying to help, uh, some companies in the area. 
uh, we were moving to automated cars where we wanted to apply some of our findings and performance gains because uh, I'm really good at optimization. That, that's kind of my specialty is optimizing things and, and, and really like that's how I, I got the 5,000x performance gain. Uh, I would say like 4,000x of the 5,000x was just pure optimizations uh, that I'm able to perform uh, on like GPU programming and all this stuff. And so um, we started looking into doing automated car uh, routing and all that stuff. Uh, but then DeFi Summer started picking up. And so we built, um, we started building arbitrage bots. Uh, we were like some of the best in the space at the time uh, for DeFi. Uh, and we're really like, I think like the second fastest uh, before uh, Flashbots came out. Um, we built some on-trading strategies for hedge funds, but we really wanted to build something cool, some product. We wanted to build product again. We were looking for something to build. We just love crypto. Uh, and so we wanted to build something in the space. Um, and then, uh, oh, it was, I think it was March, 2020, 2021. Yeah. Uh, Binance chain had come out, which is now BNB chain. And it actually gave, um, Ethereum, like it, it showed that there's gonna be a chain, an EVM chain that could compete against Ethereum, not beat it, but like actually get users in traction. Right. It was like the first one that was showing that. And so we wanted to make, um, a multi-chain application, like uh, whether it was a game or a DeFi application, we weren't sure. We wanted to see. So I started investigating all the messaging or bridging layers out there. And there really wasn't messaging. It was mostly just everything was bridging. Uh, and after looking at them all and looking at their tech and how it was all built, I decided that everything was super dangerous, super dicey. I would never build on any of them. Uh, and that the space needed some type of bridge or message, like some, something better. I'm like, so if I could, before I could even build a cross-chain application, um, I needed a messaging layer. I needed, I needed a bridge. I needed something. Um, and one thing I liked was uh, IBC's like light client concept. What they do is they run a full light client. Um, uh, uh, so chain A and chain B want to communicate. Chain A has a light client of chain B and vice versa. Um, and then you can move transaction proofs to verify against the light client uh, and move messaging essentially. Um, now, the problem with IBC is to do it that way with full light client verification, it would cost 50 to $100 million per day per pairwise chain uh, just wow. to keep the light client up, right, attached wow. to Ethereum. So it only really works yeah. in Tendermint chains, not EVM. Uh, and so we were uh, trying to figure out, I, I, I basically took Brian aside as I think I have a solution here. Uh, like, an, you know, there's light clients. I think it's like an ultra light client or an ultra light node. I think this is idea. And so he said, I said, I think I could build it like in a couple of days. He, said, he laughed at me. He's like, all right, go ahead. And so uh, I built this prototype of a bridge, which is the early cycles of Stargate. Um, and uh, and it worked, right? It was this this concept of an ultralight node where we, instead of doing every block header on uh, stream, like having every single one being moved, we stream them on demand with an Oracle. And that exponentially reduces the cost. So you still have similar security properties of a light client and that there's these separated parties once we verification, and then there's verification on chain. So it's no, there's no, uh, middle chain in the middle verification has happens at the destination chain. Um, but now we've reduced the cost and made it actually viable. Wow. And has, has that, has that DNA, um, stayed to this day? Is that, yeah, that, is that, that is how yeah, I, I, it seems like you sniffed it out early on pretty, pretty well. Yeah. I shipped pretty fast. Yeah. Uh, so then we were like, okay, Jesus. Let's make a let's make a bridge and we just make it start and we called it I call the Stargate. We took the uh, I built the rest of Stargate out in that week, uh, put it in audit, 
and we were gonna we were gonna launch it that month. Uh, we were just like, let's just ship. It was like April. Just get it out there. That's beautiful. We weren't gonna raise any money. We we're just going for it. Uh, and at the time, so there's this we call this there's this bridging trilemma. Uh, and the bridging trilemma is I, I want to have I want to be able to move native assets. So I don't want wrapped assets. Um, is one of the things I want to do. I want instant guarantee of finality, meaning that uh, when I bridge something, I don't want there to be a chance that the money is not there on the other side when I get there. Like, is there's a race condition because someone else may have done it at a different chain and they took the money and now it reverts back and says, oh, an hour later, sorry, there was no money, right? That's a bad situation. So I want instant guarantee that I'm getting that money at the price that I was quoted. And um, and then I want uh, unified pools of liquidity, meaning, um, you know, I don't want to. Fr- I don't. I don't want there to be a pairwise pool, like a pool just for Binance, and then a pool just for Avalanche, and a pool just for Optimism, right? Because that fragments liquidity and is not. It's 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 a very inefficient way of using fi- funds, right? To, for for like having a, having individual pools. Um, and so we solved only two at the time. Like you can only use two. You get to pick. Yeah, because that third one, that third one is tough, right? That's like you gotta. Yeah, you, you always. So most people choose instant guarantee of finality. And what comes with it is that you don't have the web pools liquidity, and, but you have wrapped assets instead that are not native. So that's what most bridges were doing. They're just wrapping. It's easy way out. But we're like, nobody wrapped assets are dangerous. So we chose native assets and we chose um, instant guarantee of finality, which this with this thing that no one had to come up with, which is a precursor to what we did with Stargate. Um, uh-huh. So we had this way of, of, base, of basically keeping ba- uh, track of each other's balances, each chain pairwise. Uh, where chain A knows the balance of chain B and vice versa, and they own that. And so because of that, we were able to solve two of the three. And that was what we put in audit. And at the time, it seemed fine because it was just BNB chain and Ethereum and nobody else uh, that was really competitive at the time. Uh, and so we're like, oh, pairwise doesn't matter. But you know, months in, in the coming months, there was like tons more chains that were getting traction besides BNB chain, so it wasn't going to work very well. Um, but we didn't know that at the time. Uh, so we put this in audit and I t- was talking with Brian and I said, you know, this bridge is cool, but what's more interesting is, you know, we have these layer ones and layer twos, uh, and like, it's more, uh, you know, that's what you call like the layer twos are on top of the layer ones. And what's more interesting is that, um, this underlying messaging layer, right. Uh, of Stargate. And it's kind of like this layer zero of crypto. And when I said that Brian's like, that's a great fuck. That's a great name. Yeah. We need to raise and start a company on that. I, I think it's okay to say it's a great fucking name because it really is. <laughs> yeah. uh, Brian doesn't swear, but I do. <laughs> and yeah, he's like, um, he says that's a great name, and we have to raise money and so on that and raise a company. And so we pulled it out of audit. I wrote Stargate. I wrote all of Layer Zero in a single day, <laughs> and we started raising. Uh, so I just like sat like a single session. I think it was like over. For thirty hours or something, I sat and just didn't stop typing. It's like that's like that's like Silicon Valley, the the HBO <laughs> show. Like there, 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 it, it does happen sometimes. Like it, that, you can actually have this sort of eureka, and then yeah, it really the uh, maybe it's kind of like Jack Dorsey in a way of like, okay, we're gonna do okay, this many characters are louder than a text, and I'm gonna do this sort of one to many, and here we go, and just ship yeah. it right, and it kind of sticks. One of our early investors uh, keeps, whenever he comes by, he knows the commit hash of that first commit and he writes it on my desk because like, he wants ah, to make it a thing because he, he calls amazing. it the, the immaculate commit. Right? <laughs> the immaculate <laughs> commit, right? It's, it's, uh, it's sort of things of legend, but uh, 
wow, the immaculate committee. We should make an NFT of just that. Uh, that hash. That's, that's amazing. Love it. What a, what a what a terrific origin story. Keep keep going, please. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. We, and and uh, yeah. So we built it before we even raised. We picked, um, and then uh, we picked like six funds that we really wanted to raise with uh, that had close proximity to DeFi and layer ones and layer twos. Um, got five of the six, and then picked up the last one in the next round. And so we raised with like a Binance multicoin lead. And then we raised a, at a 50, at fifty million. Then we raised another one at billion. After that. Uh, and, um, and during that time, uh, we hadn't, we hadn't launched yet cause we were raising and, and, and doing all that, you know, process of like trying to solve this other problem, which is during that time, all these chains started popping up and the Stargate bridge that we were going to put on layer zero after the fact did not solve this bridging trilemma. Um, and so I, uh, basically we had to, we were, Brian has this thing. Ever since we were in our first company, uh, Brian's always like, uh, and it's our company motto. We say it all times: better is better. Uh, where he just is like, basically means we want to sh- like we want the best outcome. We the, the, ship the best thing possible. Uh, we're not. There's no compromise. And so I kept telling Brian, it's not possible to solve this. We have to make trade-offs. We either have to. We can't. We don't want wrapped assets. There's 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 basically no way to achieve like solving this trilemma. And he said, like, like, figure it out. He didn't think we'd figure it out. And so wow. I spent a couple of days just like staring at a wall trying to figure out <laughs> what to do. And, and my co-founder, Caleb, kept coming like, dude, are you going to type? Are you going to do anything? And then it kind of just came to me. Uh, where I, another, another Eureka on top of the Eureka. Yeah. So please, I'm, I, I feel like I should be eating popcorn right now. Like, like t- t- tell me what happened. So <laughs> Don't, uh, with- do not cut off and say to be continued. That's <laughs> cruel. So that's where we came up with uh, the Delta algorithm, which is what Stargate is built on top of, which solves the, dri- the bridging trouble. I started build- writing out a demonstration of it. I was just in a text file, as a single text file. I uh, wrote the rules for it, wrote the demonstration, a walkthrough. And then, and Caleb just like, uh, was, was late at night and he's just watching me at the door and, like, and uh, just staring. My wife comes in and he's like, no, no, don't bother him. Don't bother him. He's, he's in his zone. <laughs> Uh, and I like immediately after I finished typing, I'm just like furiously typing it for like an hour of these, cause I had to walk through and prove it would work. Right. I had to make sure that I had actually solved it cause it seemed really hard to solve and impossible. Uh, I, I call Brian up, I walk I, him I, through it and he was like, holy shit, we did it. I feel, I feel like like Matt, Matt Damon in uh goodwill hunting, like writing in the chalkboard in the hallway and the, the professor's like, Hey, come back here. And, uh. That, that's amazing. So, so the, that rule set, can you, can you share what the parameters were of that, that you then based yeah, so everything? The Delta algorithm essentially is, it, so it achieves this global pool, I guess, like unified pool of liquidity where people, someone can put money in. Uh, and what happens is the Delta algorithm automatically rebalances uh, based on chains that need it. So it's reallocating funds on the fly. Uh, and, and, and has the same parameter, the, the original algorithm we had come up with, uh, where, um, I own your balance and you own my balance, but I don't know what, I don't know what my balance is. You know, my balance, uh, basically the collective other chains know my balance, but I don't know it. And I, plus the other chains collective know your balance, but you don't know it. Um, and it has this auto balancing mechanism that has stood the test of time. If you look at Stargate today, it's one of the most. It's the most widely used bridge, let's be honest, by by uh, all metrics at this point. And, uh, you know, it has this capital efficiency where there's this unified pool of liquidity where I put money in 
to provide liquidity and I am getting fees from all chains that are coming there because it's sharing, they're all sharing that pool of liquidity. Uh, and then from a user experience with this Delta, and I get that instant guarantee of finality. So I know how much I'm going to get on the destination chain uh, and add these native asset pools. And so it's everything I want. It's like your cake and you have your cake and get to eat it too kind of deal. And um, with that, we even add, we, because we achieve all of that, we're composable as well, which I've talked about earlier, which is like anything can build on top of it, um, which was a real game changer in the space. Was why we blew the, t- like we were the f- Stargate, it was, the fastest growing DeFi project of all time. We had four and a half billion in TVL in the first like two weeks, uh, which is no no crypto project has done that before uh, and or since. Um, and we had to lower emissions because we didn't need that much. Stargate only needs a couple hundred million t- in, in assets to be wow. very efficient. So we had way more than we needed and we needed to get the, we actually didn't get voting up in time to lower emissions. So we had like all of this TVL in the first two weeks on a brand new messaging protocol which we felt super confident about, but like still it's scary, right? Just having that sure. billions of dollars in the first week where we don't need this. So we eventually got the vote through uh, where we could lower the emissions. And then now we have it at a spot where, where, we, where we actually uh, are very efficient and, and not overpaying for liquidity that we're not using. Terrific. Wow. Are, are, you, are you a poker player yourself as well? No, I'm terrible at poker. No. Uh, I, uh, terrible for poker. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm okay, but I'm not, I'm nowhere near. Brian's world class. He was like uh, one of the best heads up poker players uh, when he was playing in the world. When he when he was actually playing full time, he's incredible at that. Because you told that story before about using, um, you know, that AI project, and you know, I think there is uh, happens to be a connection between poker players. I think like you know Chamath from Social Capital and Sam Altman from YC, and I think even you know the late Tony Shea from from Zappos, but, uh, that's sort of like game theory, but I was just, I, I was, I was hoping that you would, that you were going to say, yes, I'm a really deep, uh, <laughs> deep in the weeds poker player, like, like Brian. And like, that's how you were able to, uh, you know, just, uh, have a poker face and think your way through. But, uh, I, I guess, I guess in some ways, you know, really being able to load that in your Ram and just give yourself the time to process it internally, like that's right. a, my favorite thing is solving impossible problems. Basically, if someone says you can't do something or something can't be done, um, I think Brian does that on purpose to me sometimes to try to get me to solve problems. I mean, I mean, is that that old that old movie, the Iger the Iger Sanction, uh, with uh, Clint Eastwood, and the guy says, "Oh yeah, I I climbed that last week." And Clint Eastwood is like, "But nobody's ever been able to climb it." He goes, "Yeah, I, I did it." And then he trains for weeks and weeks and weeks and eats these big meals, and finally summits it, and then he comes down and. The guy says, yeah, congratulations for being the first to the top. <laughs> yeah, and he goes, I'm the second. And he goes, no, I never climbed it. I just, I, you know, I, I said, I, you know, I, I dare you. And, uh, and that, 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 uh, that's that, what drives that me for worked. sure. It, it yeah. really, we did the same thing on the poker AI part. We were in a spot um, where we just couldn't solve like something really hard. It was just impossible, right? It was a reason why no one had achieved what we'd achieved. It was considered really hard and impossible to do. Uh, some of these like solutions that we had to come up with, like what we had achieved like uh, graphics programming is pretty like new and kind of not that new, but new relative to all other programming things and uh, hard to hard, new paradigm a way to how you think about how to program. Most people program things like linearly with these like, uh, you know, steps that you go through and you could thread things out, but like with graphics programming and like you're, everything's serial, everything's at the same time. And you're trying to use all of these processors at the exact same time. So they can't communicate with each other and they'll have to do a bunch of work 
and then uh, and any time you spend syncing, communicating, you're wasting time throughput. You're wasting because oh. they have to come off the computer, you have to do whatever you want to the data, and then put it back on and do it. So most most graphics programming is batching like that. It's on and off, on and off. And uh, I achieved basically like 99% throughput. I was basically never not computing. That's how I, I, with the algorithms and things that I had come up with. Uh, so it was like on the GPU, never come off the GPU till it solved the whole poker problem, come off. And it never, there was almost no syncing at all. Uh, and so. So that, that's how you're able to get those 5,000% yeah, exactly. increase just because you just you're just staying right in the GPU. Interesting. Which is like really hard to do the whole process, right? It's, and there was algorithms we had to solve that um we thought were like impossible and spent like months just banging our heads against it and i just love those impossible problems are my favorite thing to do you know what i've learned in uh, many years of being an entrepreneur and being an investor advisor is that a lot of startups uh, die from suicide rather than murder meaning there's some kind of founder conflict or you know they're in, unable to you know uh, move ahead you, you guys have had many many quests over this almost two decades, um, can you can you share some of the uh, some of the learnings or maybe some mistakes you made along the way for some people that are maybe on their you know first or second quest so that they don't have to they can kind of get off the the GPU and kind of sync with you and then go back in and process but process in the right way if if I may use that clunky metaphor probably not the right one but you, you know what I'm talking about yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> um, sure so. Well, I guess from my own 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 learnings, things that I, I kind of learned quickly, um, which may not be, it's more of a mentality, is that people people kind of put a lot of people on like in general, like celebrities and really like fame, like really good uh, famous entrepreneurs as well on pedestals, and they say like these guys are amazing and they're special superheroes. and they they have yeah they're a superhero they have something that I don't uh, and and they put people with these credentials who are uh, you know worked at Google or they did, they did something or whatever on their, have a sick resumes. I went to MIT or some Ivy league school and those people are, are special and, and, and better, better than you. Right. I, I could never do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. People, but people aren't as good as you think they are. And I, one thing I've always learned, I, I've kind of realized and I'm constantly always feel like I'm being shown this people suck. They're not that good. And you have to, <laughs> right? Like even the people with the sick, sick uh, resumes and everything, they're not that, they're not as good as they look like they they're are humans. and they think they are. They're Everybody's humans, human, right? right? Yeah. Um, and winning and killing it and like doing and being successful um, is om- not only, it's a mixture of like how hard you work. You can work, you got to work, you got to want it more than anybody. You got to work your ass off and you got to be able to make a lot of sacrifices, but also what your mental pain tolerance is. Right. Brian and I and Caleb have been in spots where it feels like we're not going to make it. Right. As pre layers or other things we've done. And it feels like funds are running out. Um, we're eating through our savings. And like most people in those situations, when their wives are like, please get a job, like, uh, they do. Right. They break. They say, you know what? I tap out. And understandably so. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, and the, the difference between a person who succeeds in these situations and, and the ones that tap out are pain tolerance. They're willing to say, I don't care. I will live in my parents' basement. I will like get rid of all my assets because I believe in what I'm building and what I'm doing more than anything else. 
and I will go to zero and beyond zero to do it and, and suffer all the, the personal consequences that come with that. And it's kind of crazy. You have to be kind of crazy to want to do that, but yes. you have to, yes. you have to be kind of fringe, right? It's yeah, like you, the most likely outcome is failure and it's kind of miserable along the way. But, yeah. uh, you know, I often say like, how, but other than that, how is the play Mrs. Lincoln? Right. So it's like, you know, and you, yeah, you have to really, really want it and be able to eat bitter. So, yeah. yeah and you guys have, you guys have looked at your, your background, like, wow, these guys have just crushed it, crushed it, crushed it, crushed it, crushed it. But, you know, behind the scenes, behind the curtain, it's not pretty. Yeah. I mean, we've been, we've, we've pushed through a lot of pain over the 16 years. Uh, and sometimes you don't win, right? Even though you push through everything and you do it right. And you still just don't win because you didn't have, uh, you were building some, you built the product and you built everything, but people didn't want it. Or you built, um, you did, you did everything technologically well, good enough, but you weren't skilled enough at raising or whatever. You didn't have something. Sometimes it's just luck, right? It's just timing or whatever, right? Out of your control. Even if you do have what it takes to push through it, if you fail, can you do it again? And can you do it again and again? Um, and I would told my wife, I will keep doing this, this entrepreneurial thing and startups forever. I would, it's not going to stop. And, uh, if I, yeah, yeah, she was like, what happens if you fail at this? And I said, well, then I will start another thing. I will continue to build on my, and follow my dreams of my ideas and what I'm going to build. And, and like, nothing will stop me. And if I do this for the rest of my life and I'm never successful, I'll still be happy that I kept doing what I wanted to do. Wow. What a, what a, a beautiful partnership that is. She's, she's on board and that makes a big difference. You have For to sure. have that, that, you know, that mentality between the ear holes in the, in the right place, but also the right kind of external, you know, support as well too. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, I'm, I'm going to go out a little bit out on a limb here and say that, um, you're probably, um, on the right path, uh, right now <laughs> and you, and you have been in the past and I'm really excited to see, uh, future uh the just what what the future brings for for layer zero and and your team and i think it's an incredible um contribution to the ecosystem and i think a lot of uh, other companies in the animoca ecosystem can uh benefit and uh, partner with what you're doing yeah absolutely thank you Great. ryan zarek raz co-founder of layer zero ladies and gentlemen as advertised that was amazing thank you Thank you. Thanks for having me. This podcast is for information purposes only and should not be considered as financial advice. Any opinions provided in this podcast reflect the views of the speakers only.